This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 184 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have another tale from the Fianna of Erin. This is... Conan's Delusions. But before we get down to that, a very big welcome to any new and a returning listeners. If this is uh, your very first episode, you're actually more than welcome to listen to this episode, see what you think, and if it tickles your fancy, why don't you head right back to the very beginning or dip in anywhere along the way to see what we've been building up to the journey of Fireside over the last nearly four years. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. You can support this podcast in all the usual ways. You can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. You can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Those are the best places to get in touch with me if you have any business or personal inquiries. And if you want to support the fire, the podcast or me in a more direct way, you can also buy my book, uh, Garden Sea, A Neo-Myth of Home, my book of poetry, which is available in paperback from headstuff.org or in Kindle form from Amazon. We can ship the paperback all around the world, um, and that is there for you to order. All of the links are in the description below for that, and thank you again to all of those who continue to buy the book each and every week. Um, and if you want to support the podcast directly, you can do so by joining Headstuff Plus over at headstuffpodcast.com, whereas for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, not just Fireside and more there are of those nearly every month but that is all those links are in the description below but those are the hard sells over uh, the story for this week is yet another of these wonderful very contained tales of the Fianna of Aaron uh, these Mayo tales as they're called in this John Hawkins Simpson document I found uh, this old book called the tales of Ushin the Bard of Era. Uh, the link is, again is in the description below, but this has been such a great resource. Um, it was the main resource I used for the Battle of Ventry, which was why I sought it out in the first place, but then I wasn't expecting to find all of these other tales. I The first time I read the story you're about to hear, I very nearly didn't record it because of its similarity to a story that's been covered before, or rather a story that's been covered in a version twice. However, upon re-listening to it, 
um, I discovered that it actually was was quite different and there was a lot that was quite unusual and unique in it enough at least for me to feel like it was a new and fresh story to do on the podcast and I hope you all agree as uh, those longtime listeners listen out and see if you get any kind of sense of deja vu in this episode or see if that is just me uh, but we will of course chat more afterwards about it but this is Conan's delusions on fireside <laughs> Conan's Delusions The old Irish gentry would let the hair on their head grow as long as it would, but keep their face and neck shaved, except for the moustache on their upper lip, which they would keep thick and bushy, provided it could grow that way. All of the Fianna of Era kept their hair this way. Fionn, Oshin, Dermot, and even the cunning, quarrelsome Conan Whale McMorna. Before he was known as Conan the Bald, Conan too had a luscious head of hair, feathered and lethal. And once during Conan's hairy days, the Vienna were out hunting in cash in County Sligo to the upper west of Era. For seven days and seven nights they hunted with their keen and dogged hounds, but in all that time, not a hunter of the Fianna caught so much as a rabbit. Disappointed, tetchy, and exhausted, the Fianna were all but ready to turn on their heels and return home, when from out of the woods emerged a short man on horseback. Well, not quite on horseback, as the beast he rode was more of an ass. So, on assback, this man rode, wearing a gold cloak and a long grey beard that dragged along the ground as he came. The warriors initially thought this man to be one of the she, a fairy, but he was, in fact, a mortal dwarf. Welcome, warriors of the Fianna, announced the dwarf. I'm sorry you have not had much fortune hunting in these lands. I invite you to feast in my own cabin. My abode is much humbler than what you are used to, I'm sure, dining with kings and chieftains as you frequently do. But the fire is warm, and the beds are soft, and I guarantee unparalleled hospitality. The Fianna were sceptical, but so too were they tired and hungry, and neither Fionn nor his comrades could ever really refuse the call to adventure or the possibility of a good story. But the impetuous and impatient Conan let his stomach get the better of him. He said to the dwarf, Tell us your name, lest we lose you in the forest before arriving at your cabin. A curse upon your name, Conan McMorna, replied the dwarf, giving a jump to all of the Fianna. A curse upon you should you lose me in the grass. However, I will tell you my name. I am called Kova Dossen of Kyash. And you shall not eat or drink from my cabin unless you arrive there at the same time as me. On his final word, the dwarf kicked his steed and was off with as quick a gallop as the little ass could manage. Not a man of the Fianna had so much time as to look at each other before they followed with great haste. 
Through the long grass and the fallen trees, as the night grew darker, the warriors followed the dwarf until they saw the dim light and smelled the welcoming scent of the smoke spiraling from the chimney of a quaint wooden cabin. The dwarf was there waiting for the Fianna. Conan was the first to dismount, and he marched forward and grabbed the dwarf by the beard and said, You will not get away from me again so easily, and I will not take my hand from your beard until there is a plate of all the meat I can manage spread on a table before me. Hastily, a table and cloth were prepared, and places and plates were set. All the while, Conan sat at the table with his fork in one hand and his host's beard in the other. But when the meat of a thousand feasts appeared before them, Conan let go of the dwarf in shock and began to gorge himself. After eating and drinking every vulture's share of the meal, Conan blushed as the feast reappeared before him, as full as before the first fork dig. This dwarf was magical indeed, but not a fairy, but a druid. And the druid dwarf was the first man to satisfy the hunger of Conan McMorna. After dinner, wine, and songs, the beds were prepared. They were not as soft or feathery as the Fianna usually had while being entertained, but they were warm, and their bellies were so full, every one of the meat and wine-soaked warriors fell instantly into a deep slumber. Fionn McCool was sleeping on a bed of heath in the loft of the cabin. In what he assumed was a dream, suddenly there came before him a glorious golden chariot pulled by dwarfish horses. From inside the chariot emerged a woman, whom Fionn immediately thought more captivating than Deirdre and more cunning than Gráinne. Prince of the Fianna, she said, I invite you to come and ride in my chariot, in the luxury and comfort that you deserve. Fionn very nearly leapt from his bed into the car, but his wits got the better of him, and he began to chew his faithful, fateful thumb. This thumb gave Fionn the knowledge of the world, and allowed the Fenian warrior to see this enchantress as she truly was, an old and wicked woman riding in a cart of rotting wood. Fionn next began to blow on the Dord Fien, the horn of the Fianna, which carried a tune to the ears of all the sleeping warriors so that they too could see the enchantress as she was and not be tempted to their doom. And every one of them heard it, Oshin, Dermod, Quilcha, and Gull. Unfortunately, whether from earwax or drunken stupor or sheer stubbornness, Conan McMorna did not hear the blow of the Dord Fiend. And when the enchantress arrived at his bedside, Conan only saw beauty and gold. Mighty warrior of the Fianna, she began, will you ride with me in my carriage? I will show you a feast and a fight like you've never known. Conan did not need any further invitation. He leapt from his bed at the door of the chariot, but rather than landing in the comfort of a carriage, Conan instead found himself sprawling over the boiling waters of a cauldron. And were it not for the fork used for turning a spit, Conan would have been boiled alive. 
but sweating and holding on for dreadful life, Conan called for dear Medodivna. Oh, warrior of the love spot, you've always aided me before. Come to my aid now. Dermot awoke and thought Conan had sleepwalked to his near demise. He picked the big brute off the cauldron and, like a gigantic baby, returned Conan to his cot. But the enchantress soon returned, and Conan remained under her spell. He stood from his bed and, bending his knees, jumped as high as his stocky build would allow. This time, Conan did not land in hot water. At least, not literally. But nor did he land in the chariot. Instead, Conan found himself outside in the dark forest, neither of which he would normally have feared. But suddenly Conan saw the glow of the full moon. At least, he thought it was that, until he began to see double. And then the twin moons began to grow closer. And soon Conan was running for his life from a great wild cat, bigger than the largest of wolves. The marauder called and cried out for his comrades once more, and as quickly as he had been subdued, Conan awoke, lying on the banquet table, with a mere house cat licking the sweat from his thick moustache. So help the gods, said Dermot to Conan. If you wake us up one more time, you will feel the belt of our swords. Embarrassed and angered, Conan was not about to fall asleep. He knew the enchantress would return, but this time he would not try to join her. Conan would try to kill her. The chariot arrived, and before the door could fully open, Conan jumped through into the cart and began to wrestle with the woman. The horses pulling the chariot began to panic and buck as the enchantress struggled to overpower the Fenian warrior. The woman finally overpowered the man and said, You dare treat me as a man, I'll make you know the pains of a woman. The enchantress then transformed Conan into a woman and told him, You will give birth to a child before morning. Conan then awoke the whole household in a hysterical frenzy. Dermot restrained his difficult comrade and Fionn was summoned to suck his thumb. With the knowledge of the world, Fionn could see through the chains of the enchantment, through the walls of the cavern, to see the druid dwarf in the distance, like a classical composer orchestrating their score. The druid soon found himself with the lance of every Fenian warrior around his throat. Conan is a nuisance and a burden, said Fionn, but he is a loyal warrior of the Fianna. Now remove your enchantment, or I will remove your head. The druid dwarf gave Fionn a vial from his cloak, and was told to pour it over the agonized Conan, feeling the pangs of childbirth like the laid-low warriors of Ulster. When the vial was empty, Conan began to change. But he did not just turn back into a man. Rather, all of the hair began to fall from his head until Conan was as bald as the full moon. The druid dwarf then said, 
Mind in future how you treat your hosts, Colin Whale. For the laws of hospitality go both ways. Furthermore, never again will you mistreat a woman. For now you know the pain that they are capable of enduring. The Fianna dared not to kill the Druid Dwarf for fear of further curses. But they also left the cursed cabin behind. And that is a tale of how Conan became Conan Whale, Conan the Bald. And for generations after it was said to any traveller before they hit the road, may you have better luck than Conan at cash. To be continued. And there we have the tale of Conan's Delusions on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, this is a really, really lovely little tale that reminds me a huge amount and possibly reminds you all as well of the tale of Fionn, another tale of the Fianna, of Fionn McCool in the Old Man's House, which itself in turn is a version of the tale of Thor in the Land of Giants from Norse mythology both of which we have covered on Fireside, both of which were used as as my example of near-identical tales being given different skins and becoming their own separate beasts as a result. So the first time I read this story, I thought it was another version of Fionn McCool and the Old Man's House, where the Fianna stay in the home of a mysterious stranger, and they begin to suffer illusions and challenges. Uh, there is a goat which cannot be ca caught, uh, a woman which cannot be wooed, and each time at the end the Fianna discover that things have not been what they have seemed. So in that regard, this tale is similar, but it is much more specific in that this is there is more of a moral to, and a lesson to a specific character. This is once again centered on our new Fianna MVP, which is Conan McMorna, which who is just so much fun to to write write with because characters like Fionnwal and even Oscar and Oshin, while they are immensely flawed, are usually just portrayed as beautiful and heroic and um, ultimately basically invincible and infallible um, much like so many of the women in these stories are described as just being the most beautiful creature that anyone has ever seen and while these are very much stocks of mythology and folklore you do are constantly trying to reevaluate them and and change them to a degree just so it doesn't become as repetitive even though that these these traits were they were more uh, mnemonic devices so that when these stories were being delivered orally there were these almost stock phrases that would be checkpoints as such for the stories telling these storytellers telling these tales but here it's we have conan whale who is always described with the most wonderful words um, describing how bad he is. He is described as quarrelsome, as cunning, as troublesome, um, and 
these are much more words than we can all relate to because we are all those things. We we are all far more Conan Whale McMorna than we are Fionn McCool's. And that is that is a sad truth, but also a wonderful truth as well when it comes to storytelling, is we we identify with our Falstaffs and our Homer Simpsons. Um, and that is a really great thing, and that's why we adore those characters, because we think, like, there, for the grace of God, go I. There is me, except worse. I must be all right, because at least I'm not as bad as that. And so that's why I've loved getting the opportunity to adapt um, story, more stories of Conan Whale, stories that I didn't even know existed before a few months ago. So we had had a previous story about how Conan had lost his hair, which was at the hostel of the Quicken Trees, another actual uh, wood cabin in which the Fianna found themselves stuck, but that it was more they were physically glued to it and uh, physically glued to the ground. And it was in the the pulling from the ground that the hair was torn from Conan's back, hair that would regrow on his back and he would have to be routinely shaved like a sheep, um, which is another detail of Conan I've always loved. But here we have, um, I got lucky with this tale, like I always, I did with some of the stories at the very, very beginning of Fireside. I love it when I find multiple versions of the same story because they give you different things to draw from. You don't have to draw specifically from one version. Um, And also some of these older versions they say things and don't give any context or any explanation, um, which can be a little bit confusing sometimes, and you try and streamline that. And usually when you have another version, usually they'll say it in a different way or something, and you'll just kind of get it that bit easier. So in looking up where Cash was, Cash, C-E-A-S-H, um, which I could only find out is in County Sligo, but I can't find it as like a town that is now or was. There is a cash road in Ballymote, which um, possibly was cash around the time that this story comes from. But while I was, and this also happens a lot in these stories, they will be mentioning this place or this name that is so absurdly specific and unknown and um, and have I haven't come across it any other place. And I'll do a Google search on these phrases and this these same stories will come up. These the only reference to these these words on the internet will be from these stories, uh, lending them much, much further mystery and sometimes frustration. But when I looked up cash, a version of this very story came up. So I'm adapting it mainly from the John Hawkins Simpson version, uh, as I have for these previous stories of the last couple of months, uh, all of these Fenian tales, but also and I'll put it in. I'll put a link in the description below as well. <coughs> Bigger pardon. I found on Library Ireland um, a version of it, which actually gave me the the title for this of my version, which is Conan's Delusions. It's Conan's Delusions and Cash on this, and uh, it's actually a Patrick Kennedy version from eighteen ninety one, and that is more specific on uh, the Druid Dwarf. But it also has a little note at the beginning, which is wonderful. Uh, I love when I read details that have basis in the history from the the time these stories were. And so this was the first time I ever read that the Irish gentry would let their hair grow as long as it could, but it would always keep their face and um, neck shaved, but would let their moustache grow. 
And if you ever see images and paintings of Fionn McCool particularly, um, there's a there's quite a famous one where he's like carrying a massive shield and standing very proudly. That is always the image with how he is portrayed. He is always portrayed with very like long, almost like a mullet kind of hair, but with his face shaved except for a drooping mustache. And I never, I never knew that that was specifically how, how everything was worn. That wasn't just a coincidence to that, which makes total sense. You look at ancient Greece and Rome. A big difference between the two of them is that the ancient Greeks. Um, all had a beard and they that they valued having facial hair at ancient Rome as they were copying and adapting everything that they could from the ancient Greeks. They decided that they would be totally clean-shaven in battle and they valued much more a clean-shaven face. And this can be reflected in the depictions of the ancient Greek and the ancient Roman gods in paintings. So for the Celts, and over in era, um, it was that they would have their hair long and they would keep their little porn mustache as long as they could grow that, of course. Which I myself, sadly, cannot. So the Fianna enter this home and it becomes once again a tale of Conan's lust and his Conan's hunger. But he gets his feed from this dwarf who is dragged in and then we have the main meat of the story which is this enchantress in her golden chariot which was the image that made me want to decide that this story was worth adapting and that it wasn't it was a totally different tale to Fionn McCool in the old man's house um, we have these three visitations it was the Patrick Kennedy version that I had that I got the her arriving at Fionn first rather than just going to Conan and that gave it more more of a specific detail. It made it more specifically a, a tale again about Conan's weakness rather than it could have been any of the Fianna. So the Enchantress first went for Fionn and could not um, convince him because he stuck the thumb, his deus ex thumb, in his mouth and saw her as she was. But then also blew the Dord Fiend, which is the horn of the Fianna, which I always saw as more of like a horn of Boromir, kind of like the horn of you know, uh, like a beast of some kind. But this portrays it more like a musical instrument that actual tunes could be played on. Um, and kind of like the Ocarina of Time, Fionn plays a very specific tune that carries to the ears of all the Fianna to tell them very specifically what's going on. And this reaches all of them, except, of course, for Conan McMorna, who is very easily convinced and tries to jump in this, uh, into this carriage lands over this pot of boiling water like a Chuck Jones Looney Tunes cartoon. Um, it's saved by Dermid before having to, before falling for it once again, finding himself in this forest, uh, being chased by this great beast, only to come to and realize that it was in fact a house cat, and then decided, deciding he must get vengeance on this woman, jumping into the carriage and wrestling with her before... In, in the most wonderful detail of the story, he is transformed into a woman and told he's going to give birth. So Conan McMorna, the most brutish, boorish, and 
display of all of the worst traits of masculinity is transformed into a pregnant woman and told he will feel the pangs of childbirth, which we have experienced with the warriors of Ulster during the Ulster cycle, the warriors of the Red Branch who were told to feel the pangs of childbirth uh, and were laid low and unable to fight in the thorn all but for Cucullin. We've had that before. This even echoes... Um, ancient Greek mythology where Tiresias the blind prophet was used as a pawn uh, for an argument between Hera and Zeus as to whether men or women felt the pleasures of sex more and Hera transformed Tiresias into a woman so that he could have experienced both um, so Tiresias lived as both a man or a woman and his conclusion was that women feel it, uh, feel more pleasure um, so that was the result of that poll just in case you didn't know that story and so we have Tiresias the Ulster Warriors <coughs> and now finally Conan McMorna to have felt the pangs of childbirth but of course Fionn sticks the thumb in again and then uh, finds this enchanter uh, the druid dwarf and can with Al sword to the throat convinces him to free conan from this spell and after transitioning into a woman conan whale is once again turned back into his natural form um but with the added loss of all of his hair and it becomes a lesson i like where a story where the lesson is learned and kind of all is returned to normal but for one lasting stamp or one lasting scar so conan male gets to become himself once more but he loses all of his hair as the final punishment uh, for his mistreatment of this druid dwarf and for his mistreatment of this enchantress by attempting to wrestle and defeat her in his own brutish ways one has to wonder if it's conan because i've tried to put this little not on the end of it with this lesson for Conan. One has to wonder what would have happened if Fionn himself had taken. Was the idea that because Conan had... I suppose Conan was rude and disrespectful to his host, um, but Fionn also let him. I always find myself when, when Conan is behaving this way, that's why I liked when we did... Conan Wales' wedding crash, that was an actual consequence for Conan's behavior. He was not allowed to come to that wedding. But here, Fionn lets him away with it. And so you have to wonder if the Druid Dwarf was punishing Fionn for not reigning in. Because this is ultimately a tale of Xenia, which again is the Greek concept of hospitality, which does go both ways. There are plenty of stories about people being bad hosts but you have to be a good guest as well even if you are conan whale mcmorna but with that i will wrap things up i really hope you enjoyed this tale short tale but loads to talk about um i enjoyed it a lot please let me know your thoughts at fireside bard on instagram or at the fireside bard at gmail.com um, let me know and uh, please do order my book garden sea and uh, my neo myth of home my book of poetry from either headstuff.org or from amazon links are in the description below and uh, subscribe to headstuff plus at headstuffpodcastnetwork.com all of the links are there for you to go to next week we'll have another folk tale we're going back to a treasury of irish fairy and folk tales one of the very first and very densest of uh 
folklore books I have, a book so thick I can only gain access to it when I am at home, and I am back at home now from my travels around Australia, and so we're going back to one of the original tomes, and I've got a great solitary fairy tale called Master and Man, about a young man looking for a little bit of a sup and finding it. Uh, at the hands of a fairy but all that and more next week i'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you could always join me by the fireside this show is part of the headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with headstuff and the podcast studios dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com 